Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheik needs to be in perfect years. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast. Coming up on today's show, Tim Kelly is officially an Eagle. So we will break down the trade from all angles. Was it a fair deal? What could it mean for our new look midfield? And where to from here in the trade and draft period for the Eagles? I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and I am joined this week by Mr. KK. How are you? Yeah, I'm stoked to be here on the, the day of probably the, the biggest trade our, our club's done in terms of the quality of the player coming in. It's a great time. Yeah, it's a pretty historic day for the Eagles and, and certainly one that we'll look back on, I'm sure, a lot uh, in the future. But before we get all into that, let's also introduce to the podcast, Keys. Welcome back. How are you? Good, mate. If you can't see how a trade can get done without getting a player involved and it gets done without a player being involved, then you can't criticise the deal. Key's going on the offensive early. I love it this week. I think we're in for a fiery podcast. Uh, Before we get into it, certainly not least, but the last person introduced today, on the road, he's chasing all the latest trade news, all the scoops, all the rumours. Roaming Miguel this week. Please welcome Miguel Sanchez. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, um, we've doubled our resources on the road, so Keys and I are both out hunting down scoops. Tune in here first. You're going to get all the big footy exclusives. You're going to get all the latest rumours. Uh, gents, there was some massive news today. We will get into it in just a minute. Just right after this cheap plug, uh, I wanted just to mention up top, we've joined Twitter. So if you're on Twitter and you'd like to give us a follow, stay up to date with the podcast, stay up to date with all the Eagles news, we are at WCEBFpod. All right, that's enough. On to the big news of the day. Well, it's official. Tim Kelly is an Eagle, joining the club today in what could be the biggest player acquisition in Eagles history. KK, you touched on it up the top, and there has been plenty to talk about in this deal. There's certainly a lot to unpack in terms of cost and what our midfield might look like. But let's just start with that concept of biggest player acquisition in Eagles history. Miguel, we're not a club that chases big fish too often, you know. We don't often go after that big splashy signing. We tend to just get our business done, look after our own guys. And yet here we are landing Tim Kelly in what I believe is the biggest get for the Eagles in club history. Do you you agree? Yeah, it's tough to go uh, without going right back to the the formation of the club and signing Ross Glendinning, who was a Brownlow medalist, and and maybe Rob Wiley. But yeah, since then, certainly I think the biggest... um, uh, there's a, a Twitter account um, called West Coast Eagles History that put up the comparative points tallies of you know, all the other sort of bigish fish that we've landed, mm. um, Stengwein and, and Chick and those guys. And uh, points-wise, this was basically double that. So it's certainly the most we've paid for a player uh, in terms of trade by um, by some margin. But yeah, look, based off his first two seasons, you know, there's very good chance he'll be worth it. But yeah, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so Miguel, you touched on it there with Glenn Denning. I mean, he obviously had a good CV coming in. Sam Mitchell had a great CV and uh, sneakily won a Brownlow as an Eagle, if you want to count that. Josh Kennedy, huh. a fantastic career for the Eagles, but he was a bit of an unknown quantity at the start. 
Kays, your thoughts on whether this is the biggest acquisition in West Coast Eagles history? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think he's, in terms of where he's at in his career, he's the biggest signing we've had, and by some margin, I think. Uh, as you said, we've never we've never gone after a guy who was an established big fish, um, and this is this is a bit of a first for us. It's a, it's a real landmark deal for the club that's traditionally backed itself to draft their talent and have traded to fill gaps in the list rather than um, a, a big signing like, like they've got this time around. KK, acquiring such a ready-made player, the big fish, if you will, you know, it, it is a, a landmark deal for the Eagles. Do you agree that this is the biggest signing we've made? And, and really, from a direction point of view, what do you think this says about where the Eagles think they are in the window? I think it continues a bit of uh, a bolder strategy we started over the last couple of years, probably going back to the the picks, what we did with the Gold Coast, and we took full advantage of the in-draft trading last year. And again, and now we've done um, a trade that's a bit out of the ordinary for us, and I think we're in a a competition that gets more equalisation measures every year, and you don't get ahead by just swimming with the tide. You've got to do something different, and I think... Um, kudos to the club for recognising that we're bang in the middle of the premiership window. We've got a list profile um, age-wise that is just cherry ripe. And premiership in 2018, we're still very good side this year, weren't quite good enough. And the one area that was the weakness has been for a few years has been the midfield and take a chance of getting a guy in the prime of his career ready to just plug and play. Absolutely, I think it's the, the right call. We will jump into that midfield discussion in just a moment because undeniably Tim Kelly, an enormous asset to the 2020 midfield. But first up, let's talk the cost of the deal. Now, the Eagles today sent Geelong a, a pretty significant number of picks. Essendon also involved with a, with a bit of a pick swap as well. But in general, the, the deal looks as follows. The Eagles received Tim Kelly, pick 52, and a future third round pick. Uh, and in doing so, they have parted with picks 14, 24 and 33 in this year's draft, plus a 2020 first rounder. So, Miguel, definitely a big haul on offer to Geelong in this deal. The Eagles have made a significant decision to part with all of these picks to bring in Tim Kelly. So, let's assess the damage here. Did we give away too much to get this deal done? It feels like we've given away a hell of a lot, um, and certainly a lot more than we were sort of talking about uh, in the podcast we did last week. We, We sort of talked about the two first rounders and that 24 and sort of and thought that we'd we'd be able to keep maybe one of those three and then it turns out we've we've given away all three of those plus the next one so uh it it feels like a lot um yeah i certainly my first thought was that no we've we've possibly gone a bit hard uh here but um keys made the good point in the thread i think that people would have been happy with uh with giving away the two first round uh and then when you look at it from that We've really, with the stuff coming back, we've been downgraded 24 down to 52, which is a big move, but points-wise, it's not a, a big thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It does feel like we've we've given up a lot, but it was going to be a protracted negotiation to, to be able to knock it out the way early uh, and and um, get it done and then maybe, maybe shifting back up a bit um, in the draft or the, the two drafts over the next, the remaining week of, uh, of the trade period is a good thing and um, sort of get the feeling as well that the uh, the club doesn't seem to rate this draft too much. So we're not going to be going too hard at it. We'll probably only have two picks and uh, maybe we can try and sort of pick up a couple of roughies with the, the later picks that we've got. 
Vozo on Trade Radio today mentioned the evenness of the draft. Uh, he said after the first few picks that there's a real even group for the next 15 or so. So the Eagles have lost out on the ability to pick up a couple of those kids. Now, Keys, you were fired up at the start, ready to go straight off the bat. I will turn the floor over to you now. Have your say. Did the Eagles pay too much? And what do you make of the criticisms that we've sold the farm? Look, I think um, based on where we were at last week, we've probably gone further than what I'd hoped. As I said, I think, you know, probably last week we looked at the two firsts and, and perhaps 33 as being fair. We've gone a little bit further than that. Spent a bit of time thinking about that today and sort of get my head around it. And the reality is, is we've probably only gone past. As Miguel said, when you look at it, 24 is downgraded to 52 and we get Geelong's future third back. So if that was the cost of making sure this girl gets done early, we get it signed off, we get Kelly settled in. You could see the relief on his face in that press conference today, I thought. You know, this guy went through the ring last year trying to get traded and it didn't get through. He's gone back to the long, done everything he could for the club. Come out there, he still said he wants to come to the West Coast. I don't think he wanted to sit through another seven days of waiting by the phone, trying to find out if he was coming to the West Coast or not. We've looked after him. He's done the right thing by us. He's done us a solid. He didn't talk to Fremantle. He's told Geelong he wants to come to us. And we've done the right thing by him now. He's not pissing about over a, a couple of dick measuring contests and said, look, this is it. This is what's going to get done. We've signed off on it. Geelong are happy enough. They've got their picks. We've got our man. And we've got a genuine quality midfielder that run around for six years. Really, I mean, look, we've gone we've gone all in for a flag over the next probably three years or so. Um, and for that, you know, we've probably, you know, five or six years down the track when the guys we might have picked up with the draft would be hitting their peak. Uh, we're going to have to do some some clever list management and drafting and trading in the future to stop us falling in a real hole. But to be honest, that's the way the competition is set up. You know, you're not supposed to be playing finals every year. We've had five years now in a row we've played finals. We've probably now got another three to four years where you can realistically look at being in in the mix. Um, so we, the reality is we're perhaps going to be in a hole if we do that and we've got a flag or maybe hopefully two down the track, well, then this trade's a success and we've got a quality person at the club, you know, and I couldn't be happier watching him today. He's, you know, he's talked about his wife being in tears about the news and stuff like that. I'm just glad we've done the right thing by him and, um, yeah, maybe we, we could have held out for a week and squeezed Geelong a little bit further, but we might have lost him. He might have got frustrated and said, well, no, bugger, I, I need to know what's going on. I don't want to wait. I'll um, I'll start Geelong or I'll, I'll start thinking about Fremantle. So, well done to the club. We've done it professionally and uh, we've got our man. KK, let's talk about that concept of getting our man and certainly getting the deal done early in a professional, in a somewhat compassionate way as well. We've talked in the past, obviously last season we loved the friends, family, flags ethos. It's something that Simpsons preached and the club has been very professional, very family oriented in the last couple of years. So do you put any stock into that, getting the deal done early? Is that going to be just a great relief for Kelly like we saw today? And do you think that'll impact performance? Do you think that's the sort of thing that other players take note of maybe when they're trying to come to the club in the future? Or, you know, is it something that reflects well on the club? Or if it were you, would you have maybe held out for a little while longer and tried to get maybe just a touch of a better deal? I think it's it's certainly a factor that players sort of put their head above the parapet a bit 
whenever they request a trade. Um, and Kelly's done that two years in a row and shown that faith in the club. And I think, um, yeah, we sort of owed it to him to to get the deal done. And I think it, there is sort of long-term implications of that, that if future players are going to want to nominate to come to West Coast, they, they want to know that we're a club that if they, they go public and say they want to join us, that we're not going to let deals fall through just because we want to squeeze like one extra pick out of the other team. And also think the um, relationship between us and Geelong seems to come out pretty well. Oh, there's a lot of argy-bargy in the media and on the boards, but between the two clubs, I think they've got a really healthy professional relationship. And um, say I'd love to get Narkle back at one some point or Jordan Clark, or I'm sure they're going to draft one of the WA kids we want with all the picks they've got out of this, and we could be doing this dance in the future. So there's definitely long-term implications of getting it done. And, and West Coast would have known what it meant for, for Kelly and Keyes has talked about sort of what it meant for his family and how big a relief it was. So I, I certainly think that was a factor in getting it done. I, I, I posted on the board, I kind of liken it to buying a house, which I did last year, and we sort of made the call that we found the place we liked and the price was reasonable. We weren't going to try and haggle to the lowest possible price and risk it falling through. We were just going to pay a fair price because – 10 or 20 years down the track, you're going to forget about what you paid a lot. You're going to forget about that a lot quicker than if that, that feeling, what if, if if we missed out? And same with Kelly, if we get five years out of him of the level he performed at Geelong and we're challenging for flags every year, then we're going to forget the amount we paid for him. The club as well, I think they've earned our trust when it comes to the trade table because the immediate reaction may be a bit of sticker shock with some of these trades. You look at them and you think, oh, I don't know if they've quote-unquote, won this trade here. But KK, like you said there, you know, you forget about who cares what we did with the Yo trade, who cares what we did with the Redden trade, the Jetta trade. I mean, that's spoken for itself now over the last couple of years. These trades that just sort of fall by the wayside when you look back and think, oh, yeah, we won that flag or the team was this good for this long. So, yeah, look, maybe a bit of a shock initially to see the sheer number of picks and perhaps not getting anything too phenomenal back from Geelong or from Essendon, but... Ultimately, yeah, I'm, I'm wrapped to have Tim Kelly at the club. I think, by and large, people are as well. And obviously, we will monitor those picks and see who, who they turn into. It's always something of intrigue. But as you've all said there, I think, yeah, be professional, get the job done, and get your man. Now, guys, we've got our first question from Twitter. It comes from Ropes on Twitter. Thanks very much for the question. Uh, and he asks, I'll throw this one to you, Miguel, first up. Have we ruined the future with no picks of note this season? A little bit hyperbolic perhaps, but as it stands, we've got two picks in this year's draft. Pick 52, pick 64. You couldn't realistically say we need to bank on these guys being star contributors. So given the young talent we've currently got on the list, and now given the fact that we've sort of traded out of one and a half drafts, you know, one and a little bit of next year's, we will be a bit light on for true youngsters for the next couple of seasons. How significant of an impact will that have on our future? Well, if we win the um, the 2020 flag with Kelly added to the midfield, then it'll all be worth it. I mean, otherwise, yeah, look, I think you made the point on the board, you know, just missing out on you know, the best kids with a 2001 birthday. It's not going to have too much of an effect on our age profile. We are sort of relying a bit on um, a lot of the guys, well, the, the three guys that we took in the second round last year. Uh, and we didn't see any of them during the season. Uh, we're relying a bit on them to come through. Vozzo said in his interview that we've the club went to the draft pretty heavily between 
2016, 2018. So uh, they're quite confident that they've got a good bunch of, of young kids coming through, and that would include, unfortunately, includes Venables, who's still got to come back from concussion, and um, and Rioli, who, you know, it's up in the air what happens to him. But um, you know, we've, also, we've, we've seen the, the youth like um, Alan and, and Petricelli come through last year. Um, Jared Cameron looked really good for a young kid. Uh, so we've got youth coming through. I don't think we've gone too far the other way. So, yeah, hopefully we can strike gold with at least one of those two picks next year, uh, this year. But um, if we don't, then I don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah, so just quickly on that, uh, the, this concept that we've gutted our youth or, you know, obviously it's never ideal to lose out on a full draft like this and, and losing that first round pick as well. It is punting on the ability to take a high end talent. But talking about that age profile, you look at our list of guys who are 25 or younger uh, as of round one next year. You've got from the back line, Barras, Duggan, Cole, Nelson, Rotham, and likely Watson and Edwards as well to stick around. The forwards, Allen, Ryan, Petricelli, Waterman, Cameron, potentially Brander, potentially Williams as well up there. So at either end of the field, I think we are really set. Now, the midfield definitely needs work in that young age bracket, but that can, from now, effectively be the sole focus of drafting is plug in a ton of midfielders, you try and hit on two or three of them, and this is an issue that, in effect, resolves itself. We just have to wait that year to find out about it. Gents, we'll move off the picks just in a moment. Keys, I've got one more question for you. It comes from 06 Premiers. Uh, do you think that there's any chance of some smaller deals being made by the Eagles to try and move back up in the draft or you know, get a higher pick, a couple of little different swaps to be made so the Eagles can have more of a presence in the 2019 draft? Uh, there's not, not a lot of wriggle room, I don't think, given that because we traded our first round the next year, that means we have to keep our second and... We can trade a future third because we've got two of those. So the only thing I think we could possibly do is combine our future third with that pick 52 we got and try and squeeze up a few places if there's someone that's maybe on the board in the high 30s, low 40s perhaps. But, yeah, I I think we've got pretty limited scope to to do that. And the only other way is to to trade a player and I think it was quite clear from the press conference today that you know, one of our focuses with this trade was actually keeping our list together so I can't imagine that having said that we're going to trade a player out just to get another pick so yeah very very limited scope to, to do anything other than use pick, pick 52 and 64 I don't I feel all right, that's enough business talk. Let's get into something a little bit more fun and let's talk about what Tim Kelly will bring to the Eagles in 2020. Okay, as we look towards next season, Tim Kelly is joining the midfield. It's a group that has improved over the last couple of years in the estimation of the league and the fan base. It's a group that we saw have great success in 2018. And now we get to add somebody who has, has really shown out in the last few years and played some great footy. So, KK, I'll throw to you in your opinion first, but I'll just uh, hit you with a couple of statistical numbers to open things up here. Kelly's numbers last year uh, and, and where they sit compared to the Eagles' stats in the similar range. So if you look at our centre clearances last year, Yo led the way with 2.6 per game. Kelly's 2.2 per game, that would have ranked second. Kelly, 11.7 contested possessions. Again, that would have ranked second. And from here on in, he would have been our number one ranked player in the following categories. Ground ball gets 8.9 per game for Kelly. That's first. Score involvements, 6.3 per game. That is first. 
And of course, we've seen him have a great deal of success in front of goals. He kicked 24 goals last year. He goes at a goal per game throughout his 48-game career. Uh, And you look at the goals last year, Kelly, 24. Sheed would have had 16. Yo, 11. Shuey, 8. Gaff, 3. Redden, 0. So, KK, statistically, it looks like we're getting a major upgrade or a significant addition to that engine room. What do you think Kelly's going to bring to that midfield in 2020? I think it's just the, uh, the difficulties he's going to pose for opposition that uh, Shuey and Yo were the, the main targets for opposition defensive players and taggers. And now you've got Kelly to worry about as well. That's that's going to cause problems for a lot of people. Um, the ability for him to go forward, he's obviously got an eye for goal. I think you know, we could benefit from using from Yo's flexibility to play in a few different roles. With Kelly in there, we have uh, haven't really been able to take advantage of that the last couple of years, that, that Yo's been pretty much full-time in the midfield because the, there hasn't been the support there to carry, carry the load. So it, it's just, you look at the, the midfield strength as a whole, it just makes an absolutely enormous difference. Um, if you think of a, of a centre bounce where you've got Nat Nui, Yo, Kelly and Shuey, you'd, you'd struggle to see us losing... Like more than one out of five of those, I would have thought. Miguel, we joked about it a little bit on Twitter today, but the stat that was all the rage that that post-clearance contested ground ball gets or whatever they've churned out in the old Fox footy lab there, uh, it is something that Kelly does exceed at. You know, as, as much as we like to joke about it, the Eagles were left wanting a little bit once the ball hit the deck. We know we like to play a clean, possessive game of football, but... Kelly's ability to win that loose ball and to just, you know, throw his weight around at the contest is something that we don't really have too many options otherwise to fill that role. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely something that he'll bring, um, one of the top things that he'll bring. KK talked about it a bit as well, um, his, uh, his ability to go forward and, and create headaches going forward. And uh, when you look at the midfield setup and you go back to the, the setup we had throughout 2018 where we uh, we were dropping midfielders because... We didn't want to play an extra midfielder and have them resting forward. I think we can go back to um, to doing that, to having the extra midfielder this year with him because you know, we can leave him forward and he'll be dangerous. We can leave Yo forward and he'll be very dangerous. Um, Shuey, who will be getting on a bit, he must be getting close to 30 now. Um, he was earlier in his career quite dangerous as a forward. So we can start to manage the minutes of those guys a bit in the midfield and throw a few different dynamics in and... Um, and you know, have Nick that tapping down to them. So, yeah, it's going to cause heaps of headaches for the opposition. Keys, we touched on it a little bit last week, uh, but now that we've got a, a clearer understanding of the fact that Kelly is indeed an eagle, the fact that we haven't sent out any other players, we know what our 2020 midfield mix will likely look like. So given that there are a bunch of minutes that need to be freed up to accommodate Kelly moving into our midfield, who do you see making way or how do you see them changing that structure to ensure that everybody gets a solid amount of time on the ball? Well, I think we sort of, Baston's moved on, so he, he's out. Uh, I think Gaffel won't be as inside as much as he has been, so he goes back to where his greatest strength out on the outside. And the one that possibly gets squeezed out is, is Hutchings as being the the, the weakest the weakest link but we we also as Miguel touched on we, we've sort of got a capacity now to put our midfielders as half forwards and and get them pushing forward a little bit more uh, and that will help offset the loss of you know the expected loss of Rioli for the season next year so we sort of help cover that loss as well so yeah well I, I think it's it's probably why we moved Maston on because there's just not a, not really a spot 
for him as such, and we want to see if if a spot does open up through injury, we want to start getting the likes of Ainsworth and O'Neill and and even Archie maybe getting them some time in the side to get some experience in, into them. Yeah, Vozo touching today on Archie. He was asked point blank whether or not he'd be back, and uh, Vozo said in no uncertain terms that yes, he would. He also hinted that Schofield is very uh, well is set to sign very shortly. So a couple of interesting developing stories there that we will uh, no doubt be talking about in the future. Just moving things back to the Kelly deal, KK, 06 Premiers asks us, and it's a valid question because on paper, that Nat Nui, Shui, Yo, Kelly, that combo that you described earlier, it is really one of the best-looking lineups in the league. It's very damaging. All of the guys can do everything inside and out. They're all dangerous forward. They're all dangerous in the middle. It's just a star-studded lineup, plain and simple. But over the last couple of years, we've seen some other of the all-star midfield groups, you know, Collingwood's, Geelong's, maybe even GWS's. They've not had that ultimate success throughout the season and indeed into September. So is it a bit of a poison chalice having that all-star, perhaps best midfield in the comp tag? I think particularly for Collingwood and Geelong that they've had the the midfield strength, but they haven't had the strength at either end of the ground. Um, they were really loading up on their midfield, which was already a strength, and not not covering the weaknesses that they had elsewhere, whereas we're coming the other way. We've we've got the strength at both ends of the ground, and we were just pumping up the one line that was had a had a gap in it. So I, I I'm not really I don't think the um struggles that they've had will apply to us because I I just think in their case they had issues in parts of the ground that weren't addressed by by their trading, and that's not what we've done here. I think GWS as much as anything have just had horror injury runs every year. I mean, they, if they had their full list on the park in, for the last four years, I'm pretty confident they would have uh, made more than one grand final and probably probably won the flag. I don't. I wouldn't lump them in with the um, the sort of likes of of Collingwood, where they they really do have that overloaded stars in the midfield, but but big gaps elsewhere. All right, guys, we'll, we'll wrap things up in just a minute. But before we do, I thought I'd just go around the table here and just pick a pass mark or, or you know, pick maybe a grading for this trade. So, uh, Miguel, I'll start with you. You touched on it earlier that if we win a flag, nobody's going to be haggling over what we traded and what we lost, all this sort of stuff. But is that the bare minimum? If, if we win a flag, it's been a pass, and if we don't, it's been a fail? Or how do, how do we assess this Kelly deal right now and then, of course, in the future when we look back at it? It almost feels like that. It almost feels like we've gone all in um, just with the amount of picks that we've given away, that we've gone all in on you know, this group with Nat Nui um, ageing, Kennedy ageing, Hearn ageing. You know, throw Kelly in there and this is our chance to, to get our fifth flag. You know, if if we don't get one with Kelly, is it a, does it mean it's a fail? I don't know, not necessarily. But um, I think winning a flag with Kelly makes it a clear pass. You know, if we, we get a flag with him, then we won't care how much we've given up. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. The flag is definitely a pass. The lack of a flag, I don't think, is inherently a fail, but obviously it has the potential to be one, depending how significant the drop-off is. Keys, same question to you. What's your pass mark for this trade? And indeed, what has to happen for you to look back and say, oh, I think maybe we got that deal wrong? Oh, look, I think pretty much reiterate what Miguel said. I think this real judge, this one as to whether we get a flag or not. If we get the flag, then yes, no-brainer, it worked. If we don't, I don't know that automatically you'd say it's a fail, but you probably, that's how it'll be assessed 
from outside the club, you know, it's one of those ones you, you sort of go back to the last blockbuster trade, I suppose, and that was, you know, when we traded Judd to Carlton. And, you know, I think you look at Carlton, Judd didn't win the Premiership was was it Carlton, was that trade a success? You know, it's it's quali- it was a qualified success because they didn't, they didn't play a lot. They made finals, but they didn't get that deep and they never really challenged for a flag. Judd did a lot of work. He won at Brownlow there and had had a great end to his career, but was the side that much better for him having gone there? You know, not 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 really. So, but if we're, you know, if we spend the next four or five years, you know, sort of kicking around the top four and making prelims and maybe making a grand final, but not quite getting the a flag, you could probably still turn around. It was worth a shot. Didn't quite get us there. You have to probably factor in things like injuries and stuff like that as to, you know, whether we had a good run or a bad run. But, yeah, history will judge. And then I suppose, you know, we'll look back at what uh, Geelong do with these uh, the picks that they've got and how those players turned out. And, um, you know, if they all turn out to be absolute guns, we might look at it and go, well, geez, might have been better off with those guys. So tend to little go back to um, how well Geelong do in the draft as well. KK, do you agree with that one? Do you have a, a simplified pass-fail mark or is it a little bit more complex than that? I lean towards what, what Keyes was saying, that, that flags are a, a bit binary. And I think the pass for me is, is really how Kelly performs. If we get, um, say, four out of the five years of Kelly at the level he was this year, then... It's a pass mark because I don't think we're going to get that impact from any combination of the draft picks that we, we gave away unless like every one of them was that that slider that there is in every draft that, that people throw up years down the track. But we, we could get that and we could have a, a ton of injuries. We could play three grand finals against MCG tenants and lose them all. And um, you wouldn't then say that the trades have failed because it, it, it's all about putting yourself in the position and then hoping things break your way. So I'm really going to judge it on how Kelly goes. And I, I think, um, I mean, this year was so big for him that it was a chance of the second year blues um, the, where his head was at after trying to get home and then not being able to get that trade done, having to go back to Geelong. Um, but the way he performed this year in a role where he copped a lot more attention than he did the year before and Dangerfield spent time forward, Selwood was a bit less of a factor this season he had to take on a much bigger load and his performances went up and if he can handle that sort of pressure then I, I expect him to really deliver and I think we'll be sitting here in five years time even if we haven't added to our flag tally I think we'll be sitting here saying that it was a, a good deal. That will just about do it from us this week. Gents, it's been a significant day in the course of the Eagles' history. And like I said up top, it's it's certainly one that we'll look back on in the future and uh, pull it all apart again in five years' time, in ten years' time. Uh, but for now, thanks very much for coming on the pod. Thanks for unpacking it all with us. Uh, Miguel, hitting the road, hitting the pavement, getting all the scoops. Thanks very much for having a chat with us. Yeah, no worries. Uh, and apparently um, flights for next September go on sale pretty shortly, so jump in now and avoid <laughs> the price rises. Excellent, excellent news. Uh, Keys, as always, getting the scoops for us as well. We've got Roaming Keys, we've got Roaming Miguel, and uh, Keys, once again, thanks for coming on the show and giving us your insights. Pleasure, guys.
been fun. And we look forward to a few years of uh, TK11. That's the one. And uh, for now, we've got TK11. We've also got KK2019. Thanks very much for coming on the show and talking the Eagles with us. Yeah, no problem. Um, it's a big day and it's, uh, I guess, the rest of the trade period is a bit of a write-off for us. We can put our feet up and watch everyone else fall over each other. That's it. We can sit back and relax for a little while, but not for too long, of course. We we still do have somewhat of a presence in the draft, and with that, uh, there will be a draft edition of this podcast as well. Have a chat with a few of the big footy draft experts and a couple of the keen under-18s watchers. Uh, it'll be perhaps a little bit of a different crew to the one you're used to, but we'll really get some good insights on who will be available for the Eagles with the limited number of picks, let's say, that we do indeed have. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to post them on Big Footy, or better yet, you can follow us on Twitter at WCEBFPod, and you can get in touch with us there. Thanks very much for listening. As always, we will talk to you next time to unpack all things draft. And other than that, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Bye for now.